welcome back to the Family Matters podcast. Um, it's Jackie here with Kendra. Say hi, Kendra. Hey, guys. <laughs> okay, so today we are going to be talking about how to stay happily married after kids come. And just for some background, a few months ago, I wrote an article about this. And as I was doing my research, I would go through a number of articles from popular parenting magazines about keeping marriage strong after baby comes. And I began to see a common theme of stressors amongst couples. And these stressors were like finances, household chore division, childcare, and more. And in fact, the first line in, a, in an article that popped up was parenthood. No money, no sex, and no time. Now that is just <laughs> incredibly depressing. <laughs> That's like the worst thing possible. It kind of makes parenthood sound like this doomsday thing. And and honestly, as I read these articles, I just started to get more and more depressed because I was like, oh, my goodness, I have three kids. It's like there's something much happier if I just hadn't had kids. And anyways, who wants to feel that way? That's yeah. just horrible. But as I thought more about it, um, you know, each of these articles attempted to give tips for how to deal with these common stressors. But really, I feel like they were just dealing with the outward manifestations of inner problems. For example, if a tree is bending and getting its leaves dirty, you don't clean the leaves. You need to fix the trunk. So today, rather than give you tips for how to divide household chores or find babysitters, we're going to talk about ways to build resiliency within your marriage so that when stressful periods come, which they definitely will, such as the transition from being just you two to you three, we want you to be able to navigate it with ease. Because ultimately, we believe that having children, while difficult, can and should be something that draws you guys together. It, it should mm -hmm. be such a source of joy in your life. But, you know, first, I just, well, I want to mention, too, that while everybody listening here may not be specifically struggling with having children in their life, there, there's something that we're all dealing with. And ultimately, we're going to be talking about how to have resiliency within your marriage. So whatever your stressor may be, we hope that you can apply these techniques. Yep. Um, first, I just wanted to briefly talk about why couples may struggle with this specific transition. So, Kendra, do you have any ideas about that? Sure. Um, there's a couple of theories about why new kids can cause so much stress in families. Families are systems, first of all, um, and we have certain patterns and routines that we're in. And anytime that there's change, that affects everything and everyone else in the system. And so in that sense, even a very small person can cause a very big change. And family stress theory talks about how some families adapt and grow and thrive when faced with a new family member or, or stressors in their lives. And other people really fall apart and have a lot of difficulty. And it's when they're faced with the same circumstances. Uh, we know that stressors inside the family, for example, hurt more than stressors outside the family. For example, there was a study looking at children who had experienced a really terrible wildfire in Australia as children, and they found that the kids who had been most impacted by the fire were not those that were the closest to the fire or most devastated by the fire, but those who had been separated from their parents during the crisis. Interesting, huh? So, so what happens in the family and what people perceive as what's going on in their intimate relationships is has more to do with how they're doing than things on the outside. And so in that sense, introducing a new member of the family into the family is just by itself going to cause a lot more stress. We also know that things that are new are more stressful, even very difficult things, even in times of war, people are able to, to handle the stress if it's something that they're used to and they just kind of adapt to. And the same thing will happen eventually with children. But again, it's it's something that's new. And if, especially if this is your first child, you're going to have more stressors likely than with your second child. 
and adaptation is also harder uh, when there's a pileup, when you have a lot of stressors in a row. And again, new children bring a lot of different types of stressors with them. Physical strain, financial strain, emotional strain, lack of family time and routines. Um, adaptation is harder for families that don't have the resources to deal with it. And, and some of that can be as simple as sleep. Um, when you don't have enough sleep and you can't handle what you'd normally be able to handle if you had all of your wits about you. I used to joke that um, as a behavior specialist, I work with um, autistic children and because I'm I'm using behavioral strategies to teach things like speaking and uh, fine motor skills. I'm constantly requiring children to do things that make them uncomfortable and therefore making them cry. So I always joke about the fact that I, I don't mind babies crying. I'm just used to it. But I found that when I had my own kids <laughs> that I was okay with crying unless I was tired or I was stressed. And then the crying was suddenly just so frustrating and so unbearable. Not because it was a st it was stressful by itself, but because it was being piled on with other things. And so the pileup sometimes uh, weakens our facilities and, and keeps us from being able to handle problems like we would normally be able to and in a joyous way. Yeah. Uh, also, something else that's been found that families that do a better job of it adapting to new kids and to new issues in their family uh, i don't want to call a new kid an issue that sounds bad but just like <laughs> they know we know what you mean stressors they can be sometimes can be. you're an issue <laughs> you kid um uh, a lot of it has to do with what they call um positive appraisal of the situation which is a fancy way of saying attitude makes a huge difference so how we look at it and how we look at the stress and we say oh you know, I'm so tired and we have no money and isn't it wonderful? <laughs> you know, like, gosh, we're just... Hey, that was my life the first three <laughs> you know? years of my marriage. <laughs> and it's, you know, maybe it's a little a little crazy, but, I, you know, Viktor Frankl, who wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning, which I can't recommend highly enough, believed that man's ultimate quest was not for pleasure, but for meaning. And if we can find meaning in our suffering, things just turn out better for us. Uh, naturally, they turn out better. Part of that is because of the way that we look at a situation, the way that we interpret it mentally. We say, oh, this is a problem versus, oh, this is an adventure or whatever. Naturally leads to the way that we feel about that situation. And the way that we feel about a situation leads to our actions. And as anyone in a family know, one person's actions will then lead to somebody else's interpretations, feelings, and actions. So I'll give another example. Let's say that you have two families, since we've been dealing with all these natural disasters lately, let's say you have two families that are weathering a tornado watch. They're both in the closet, in their downstairs, you know, no windows, and they've got their flashlights all huddled in there together. And one set of parents says, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. We're all stuck in the closet and we got to use our flashlights and we're going to play games and there's a crazy storm going on outside and what a great adventure, you know? That seriously sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> right? But as, and especially will to kids. The other family says, oh my gosh, there's a tornado. We could lose the house. We could all die. Oh my gosh. Not only are the parents who are saying that going to be more stressed out and feel more negative, they're going to have all kinds of, you know, rising cortisol levels in their brain and that's going to, trigger all kinds of negative processes in the body but think about being that kid you hear your parent differently you process that differently you're going to be different so the difference between a child that is a blessing and an adventure and a wonderful thing that's happened to the family and all the crazy stuff that goes with it is just a great part of the adventure of parenthood versus 
A new child is a crisis and uh, a problem that needs to be managed. Just that attitude change by itself has a really big impact on how families process things. So anyway, that was a long comment. I apologize, Jackie. But no, ultimately, at the brilliant. end of the day, I'm loving it. We like some families, you know, two families when addressing new parenthood or it could be your third child. I don't, I don't want to say that new parents have mm-hmm. claimed to being the most stressed out ones. Um, I've been told actually that the third child is the most stressful. Jackie, is that true? You, oh, it's insane. You'd be the one to comment <laughs> I on I don't that. know. It's, it's all insane. Okay. But anyways. <laughs> anyway, but, but again, some families deal with this and they get stronger and some families deal with it and they fall apart. And our goal today is to talk about how can we be the families and how can we be the families that adapt and grow and thrive? And when we can manage those things, whether we have money or sex or time, like all of that will eventually work itself out. So that's why we're not going to pass out tips. We're going to talk about resilience. So, yeah. Exactly. Well, that was perfect. I just, yes. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we could just end it right no. here. But no, we're going to give you what resiliency means. Okay. So I just want to briefly summarize some of the research that has shown that having kids is hard on a marriage just to prove to you guys that it is actually hard for some people. So it has been shown that the presence and number of children correlate negatively with marital happiness and children seem to have an adversarial effect on marital satisfaction. In a big meta-analysis in 2003, it was found that parenthood correlates with decreased levels of married bliss for mothers particularly of young children, as well as fathers of all-age children. And this was due to role conflicts and restriction of freedom. So just some possible reasons for these conclusions. Parents of young children especially are less likely to divorce the non-parents just to help their kids stay happy and have a good environment. But they may have an unhappy marriage. So I guess what I'm saying is that it may be due to the fact that they were parents of young children that they didn't divorce, not necessarily that um, having kids didn't cause the dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. I don't think I said that very well, but hopefully it makes sense. Okay. Um, Also, much of the research correlating negative effects of children on marriage was done in the 1980s, where marriage relationships in general showed more negativity than other decades. So this suggests a time period effect. Yeah. For those of you who haven't seen the graph showing the rates of divorce over time in this country... We peaked in the 1980s. The reason that all of the studies that were done on divorce occurred during that time period was because it was like it popped out of nowhere. So 80s and 90s had the highest rates of divorce and they have been decreasing ever since. For everyone, the good news is <laughs> things Yay. are getting better. But That's anyway. great. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but despite all of this, we still want to talk about resiliency because whether or not you're on the brink of divorce or really feeling significant dissatisfaction within your marriage, we all can do well to know about how to be resilient because we're all dealing with something hard. So Mm -hmm. I just want to read this quote by this author, Scott Stanley. So he is a marriage researcher and he found that when couples have realistic expectations of marriage as opposed to fairy tale like fantasies, they find their deep emotional, physical and spiritual needs for closeness fulfilled. Basically, what he says about resiliency is committed couples hunker down and stay the course together. Although they may experience pain, they also know the great joy of overcoming challenges and loss together. And that's kind of the main idea because, you know, we're all going to go through hard times and we're all going to have stressful periods. Some of us decide to go to college or decide to 
I'm like really blanking on things right now, but we all do hard things in our life because we believe that they will bring us joy in the end. And I think that having kids is no different. And so if we can hunker down and stay this course together and stay united as a couple, I think we will find that our children will bring us a lot of joy in our life. So just some specific definitions of resiliency. Resiliency is the property of the family system that enables it to maintain its established patterns of functioning after being challenged and confronted by risk factors. Or in other words, it's the family's ability to recover quickly from misfortune, trauma, or transitional events. And we're going to call children a transitional event rather than a misfortune. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Children are not traumatic. Well, I don't know. Maybe sometimes they are, but trauma in a good way. (laughs) So as I researched resiliency, I found 10 aspects of resiliency that if couples can just have these 10 characteristics, they'll find that they can get through a lot of hard things. But as I was perusing this research and discussing it with my husband, actually, we decided to add an 11th one (laughs) that we think is especially important. So just some background to give, you know, my specific thoughts, a little bit of credibility, I guess. I have three kids ages, the first first one just barely turned four. So, um, and my husband we're able to have, we are blessed with kids right at the beginning of our marriage. So basically our whole marriage, we've been parents and we have a, you know, it's hectic, but we have a very happy marriage. And so I feel like we've had to learn these lessons. You know, it didn't come naturally, but one thing that as we were discussing our journey together, I think selflessness has been the biggest thing, I guess, to kind of help us better focus on the good and the joyful aspects of parenting. Selflessness has helped us be able to do that. So both spouses really need to give 110%. Marriage can't be seen as a contract, but rather a promise. And one thing specifically with kids is keeping score is never has never been a good idea. If you're keeping score of who's changed more diapers or whatever, I think that that is just going to make you bitter and resentful, and it's gonna yeah. And and studies have also shown that when you're looking for negative things, like keeping track of score, you actually find more negative things, and the fact it actually gets mm-hmm. worse. And one example that I thought of when I was thinking about this is, let's say that you decide to go and help with a disaster relief effort. Disasters have been happening a lot, so obviously they're on our minds. But if you go to help with this relief effort. You don't sit there and wonder, okay, I picked up 10 pieces of trash. Now, how many pieces of trash did you pick up? You see a job that needs to be done and you and your team do everything it takes to get that job done. Your goal is to get the job done, not to see who can do the least amount of work. And I think the same is true within a family. When you and your spouse decide to bring a child into the world, your goal should be to raise that happy child and maintain a happy family life. And you need to be willing to do whatever it takes to have that happen instead of always focusing on whether or not you're doing more or doing less or do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think it's in the it's in the process of, of doing that job and doing it well that you find joy. Right. Self-care is important. But I think there's a difference between self-care and selfishness. And as we hunker down with our spouse and, and get the work done, that the work that's needed to keep a happy family strong, we will find joy in our children. So. Absolutely. Anyways, um, do you have anything else to say yeah, about selflessness? Yeah, sure. Kendra? Just related to that, I guess, is, um, you know, resilient families balance new demands with other family needs. And just because suddenly there's a bunch of new things on your plate 
that doesn't mean that there aren't still other things that are still on your plate. And even though we say, oh, but this is so much more important than whether my husband goes to bowling night or, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't have time for anybody to go exercising or enjoy the outdoors. We've got to focus on, you know, the baby in our family. You know. mm-hmm. So it's very tempting to take crises and make them as an excuse to ignore other needs that our family has. But those are still needs that are real. Back to what we mentioned earlier about the pileup. Mm-hmm. Expecting, for example, when I had a C-section and I was just a big pathetic ball of patheticness. I I don't, I don't, I don't, I know, no, it really, it was bad. I, I don't handle pain well at all. <laughs> um, oh, I'm so really badly. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm this pathetic lump of, of, I can't do anything. It would be really easy for me to say that it doesn't matter that my husband, in order to be emotionally healthy, like working out is really important to him. And we made, you know, tried to make time for that because that allowed him to be the kind of husband that I needed during that time. Um, And so making sure that you allow your spouse to get their other needs met and to take care of other things in the house. And my husband said he had an aha moment the other day when he realized why I care so much about throw pillows. He says, it's because you want to feel comfortable in your home. And I said, well, yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) And so he cares about throw pillows now. Um, not, Not because he cares about throw pillows, but because he knows that I need things to match and to look nice and to be clean in order for me to be comfortable. And so, like I said, recognizing those other needs of your spouse, I think helps you to look at them with less selfishness. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's so true. And the funny thing is when we do that, when we choose to give to our spouse and help them meet their needs, then they do the same right back, you know, and it really does Mm -hmm. just make a happier atmosphere in our home. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so number two is problem solving and communication. Now, our first podcast episode was really about this. And and also, I would say our third one about uh, building friendship within our marriage. So if you can go back and and listen to those and apply those techniques, I think you'll find that your communication and problem solving abilities really improve. Mm -hmm. But basically, what has been found is that resilient couples maintain strong patterns of communication and problem solving. They have established and continue to tweak systems for communicating their thoughts, ideas, and plans. One thing that I would say kind of that we were just talking about is you need to be able to communicate your own needs and also respect and help your spouse communicate their emotional needs. Mm-hmm. Or not just emotional, but you know, physical, mental, spiritual, all of, all of the needs that we have as human beings. We need to be able to communicate those we have the responsibility to recognize the needs within ourselves and then communicate it to our spouse we can't expect our spouse to just read our minds or always know what we need but at the same time i do think we need to be looking out for our spouse so while it is technically their responsibility to recognize what they need as someone who loves them you should be kind of looking out for them too and and as we're able to discuss what what we need and and find ways to solve solutions solve problems that may come up that may be keeping us from meeting our needs Mm -hmm. then I think that we just have an increased unity and increased love for each other and you know this communication is not just about our own personal needs but maybe needs in the family I think having a family council time is really important having Mm -hmm. a couple council time having these rituals within our family where we can figure out what needs to be done and discuss the needs of our family I feel like I've said needs like 10 million times no, in the it's, last that's, minute. No, that's it. You've got, you hit it, the nail on the head. So 
I, and I think just to add to what Jackie said, I, for those of you who are like, oh, but I don't, you know, I don't have any communication skills or my husband, gosh, he won't ever talk to me or whatever. Remember that the most important thing with communication is will, not skill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and your desire to fix the problems in your marriage, your desire to be close, your desire to show love, those are just so much more important than whether you use active listening skills. Um, at least, again, research has shown that that's the case. And mm-hmm. happily married couples for hundreds of years have not known what an active listening skill is and have still been able to have a successful relationship. And a good chunk of that is, again, having the desire to fix mm-hmm. problems when they come up. Okay. It's great. So equality. Each spouse needs to feel as though they have an equal say in decision making. Both should feel that their opinions and ideas matter and have influence over the other. And I would say this is especially true within parenting. Both parents need to feel like their methods are respected and there should be continual collaboration rather than unequal dominance. So one thing that I have found as a parent, especially as a new parent of young children, sometimes I think that we get so overly concerned with these minuscule details of parenting such as, what type of baby food we're going to have, what type of crib we're going to have, what type of stroller. And so many people have these grandiose opinions about those things. And maybe our spouse has a different idea about how things should be. I would just say that we need to maybe chill out a bit and really be willing to listen to our spouse and, and their ideas about what needs to be done because a lot of things really don't matter. For example, what type of crib you're going to have, maybe what type of baby food you're going to buy. That stuff doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things so if your Mm -hmm. spouse has a huge opinion about it you know what just give in (laughs) one one technique that i heard from a, a marriage therapist said that they would give to their clients is you know discuss with your spouse things that you don't agree with and and both say on a scale of one to ten how much does this matter to you 10 being the most and if your spouse has a higher number than you just go ahead and give in because a lot of little things are not a big deal and then you know for the big things that do matter such as what value system do we want to to have those things that do matter you guys can really discuss and and because you have been listening to them about other ideas i think that it will be easier for you guys to compromise about those big things. Mm-hmm. Does that all make yeah. sense? I feel like I just need to apologize really quick. I'm very <laughs> tired. <laughs> I can't think straight. I just had a new baby. I mean, he's two months old now, but I, I don't sleep, guys. So I just can't yeah, think very clearly. So I need. I know. I just feel like I need to like let Kendra do all the talking. No, you're doing great. It doesn't come out you're right. You're doing great. <laughs> Everybody give a hand to Jackie. Anyways. Thank you so much <laughs> for doing this. But anyways, so yeah. And you know, one other thing is I feel like sometimes moms especially may think that they get to be in charge of how everything is done. And I get that. That mama bear instinct comes out. But here's the thing, guys. Your husband was there first. And heaven forbid he changes a diaper differently than you. You know, like that thing, it, those things, it just doesn't matter. Keep the peace. So Agreed. Anyways, um, especially with mothers, um, because parenthood is such a huge change emotionally and physically um, for women uh, sometimes fathers get left behind and they feel like they're getting left behind as their wife is going through all of these changes physical changes emotional changes and forming this bond with this new person sometimes fathers get left behind and the relationship between the father and mother before the baby is born if it's strong, you end up bringing the father with you in that process of change. And it's really beautiful and wonderful, but that needs to happen beforehand. Awesome. I love that. 
That's so true. I got goosebumps a little bit. Just that that act of bringing your your spouse alongside because it is beautiful to experience parenthood together, to laugh through it, to have your unique ways of doing things, but then coming together on those really important things. It's it's a beautiful thing, you mm-hmm. guys, and that's what we want for you. Okay, the next thing is spirituality. Now, we understand that maybe not all pe- everyone in our audience subscribes to a specific spiritual system, value system, but I would say that taking time to contemplate the bigger picture contemplate what matters most think about why you're here as a parent what value systems you want to teach your children and having having that to draw strength from is so important couples that can find great meaning amidst life stressors through a common spiritual ground are able to get through hard times a lot easier just going back to victor frankel's man's search for meaning if we can recognize that what we're doing has meaning within the greater picture we find a lot of strength to get through the hard times. So just as an example, one thing that my husband and I have done ever since we were even engaged is just every night we pray together. And this act is very pivotal in uniting us mm-hmm. and reminding us of what's important. Yeah, and that helps That helps our, our sense of commitment as well, which is another characteristic of resilient families is just commitment to the family as a unit. Taking the big picture, however you want to look at that, I think clearly that's that's key. Next one is flexibility. I can't imagine anyone listening to this podcast who doesn't go, oh, yeah, flexibility sounds important. <laughs> like, um, that's true in virtually every list that I've looked at of resilient families is flexibility. And in fact, when looking at the personality characteristic that is most predictive of a long lasting happy marriage, the two are kindness and flexibility. So you can get over whether he's funny or has broad shoulders or not. It's, it's flexibility that makes, makes for a long and happy relationship. Hmm. Um, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so just some examples of that. So, you know, you have your family systems, your family rhythms and routines that are really important. But sometimes, lots of times, kids can derail things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just for example, sometimes your kid gets sick and you're up all night tending to your sick kid instead of seeing that as this horrible awful thing that really stresses you out you just kind of roll with the punches and you enjoy the extra snuggles and you cancel whatever you had to do the next day and think oh yay we get to stay in our pjs and watch disney movies like that's what my family does when we're all sick and it's you know what actually it's great so just recognizing that things are going to come up and it's okay we're just you deal with it and you try to enjoy the good parts and recognize that the bad parts are going to be done soon anyways and then you move on and if you can do that with hard things then guys you're going to be set you'll be fine okay so here's a question jackie like what if i'm not a flexible person like what if fundamentally like i do think that if this thing doesn't happen or if this process doesn't occur or if this thing isn't taken care of like i just can't handle like i'm just so stressed out by that i i want to be flexible i try to be flexible i just can't like i mean how do you how do you become more flexible so i that's a really great question the first thing that i would say is you need to have a set list of priorities so at least that's what that's what has helped me just because at this point in my life like i said i have three little kids i've got you know about 20 hours of school each week and and you know just running a household all that there's just a lot which actually is probably just as much as any of you guys have but i share that to show that i do understand that we have a lot of needs pressing upon us And when I get to that place where it's like, (laughs) like literally my two-year-old just 
pulled all the wipes out of the wipey bin and my four-year-old screaming because he just got shots in his leg and he thinks he can't walk on it now that was a very traumatic experience (laughs) today and my baby is screaming and I have a paper due in three hours you know it's like you have this moment where you're like what in the world am I going to do I can't handle this and what helps me is I go to my priorities what is my number one priority you know, in this situation, my kids are my priority. And and then you kind of have to triage the kids, right? But I guess what I'm saying is if you have your set list of priorities, then you can know what it is that you can hold off on. Mm-hmm. And what I have found is when I put my biggest priorities first, things fit as they naturally should. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to get to the things that matter most and then it actually always works out, which it did. And so I would just trust that system and In terms of flexibility, I would say it's, to me, flexibility is just being willing to put our our most important things first at the expense of our less important things. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that, then you'll be fine. Yeah, and some of that big picture that you were talking about, you know, are you able to see the big picture and say, you know, at the end of the day, you know, how important is this? One of the weird side effects of, of having your house burned down in a fire is or, or or losing everything you have in a hurricane is that sense of wow here's the big picture i have the people in my family and they're they really are the thing that's most important to me and mm-hmm. all the rest of that stuff isn't yeah um, can yeah can i say one thing about that hmm. um that's just very real in our life so i was looking at my husband's phone just a couple hours ago and his background picture is this horribly ugly picture of me holding our little our newest baby our newest baby was in the hospital in the um, intensive care unit for um, almost for three weeks because he got bacterial meningitis. And that was a very, you know, a kind of scary time for our family, yeah. especially there in the beginning. And as I, I, I was able to stay with him in the hospital the whole, the whole time. And, you know, we didn't, I didn't get much sleep. It was just a very, a very stressful time. And one day my husband came to visit me and he took this picture Anyways, my, my little boy is fine. Everything's great. It's totally good. But my husband keeps that picture as his background. And when I asked him why, because again, I just like, I look so hideous. Why is this the picture you have of me? Like, I'm so not cute right here. He said, you Jackie know what, is always pic- cute for okay. our listening audience. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any- <laughs> Thank you. But anyways, so he said, you know what? This picture reminds me of what's most important. And when I'm freaking Aww. out over how, because you know, because it gets chaotic at my house, guys. It really just does. And it's chaos in the best way, but it does get chaotic. And when he is feeling frazzled because of all these different things calling on his attention, mm-hmm. he can look at that picture and he can remember, you know what? This is what matters most. And, and we, we, you know, we could have lost our baby and that was very real to us. And, and so just remembering that and remembering that family matters most, our God matters most to us, and really everything else, it just, it'll work out. It'll work out. Perfect. I love that. All right. So next one is a truthfulness or an eyes wide open approach. So resilient couples seek to understand the nature of their stressors so that they can be ready to deal with them. One thing that I would tell new couples is talk to parents that you admire who love their kids, Mm -hmm. but who will be honest with you. Because when I was pregnant with my first little boy, I would go on these pregnancy forums. And you know what? Lots of times it kind of just turned into this big scare fest of, oh, how horrible it's going to be and how how hard it's going to be. And that didn't do me a lot of good. 
But at the same time, it is good to have a realistic approach to what, you know, what you're getting yourself into. So I would find somebody who you really admire, who loves their kids, and I would just ask them for tips and tricks and and ask them how they navigated that transitional period. Well, for example, we know that postpartum depression is pretty common, um, even if you don't have it at sort of the clinical level, which is about 13% of new mothers. The majority of women who have babies experience some level of hormonal, emotional mm-hmm. reaction, you know, usually just the baby blues, but that can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. If you don't know that and suddenly you have a baby and you're suddenly finding yourself, oh my gosh, I don't love my child. I'm not happy that I'm a mother. What's wrong? This is supposed to be the most joyful time of my life. Like that mm-hmm. could be a really big stressor. So like you said, you know, go into this knowing the fact that you're probably going to be super hormonal afterwards. And we don't necessarily know what that looks like. I was super prepared to be really depressed and I wasn't, I was really emotional. I just cried about everything. And sometimes they were like happy things. I'd be like, James, I just love you so much. You know, like I just cried about everything. But, but again, your body's going through this crazy change in your hormones and that's naturally going to lead to changes in your emotions. That's a good thing to just, you do your research, you learn about, you're prepared for in advance, being aware of what you're going to be able to do physically for the first six weeks of recovery, the first two months or three months of recovery, how long it's going to take before you can get back to you know fill in the blank you know what your situation is going to be as far as work what your plans are about how you're going to manage things financially all of these things can be done before the stressor comes i really keep Mm -hmm. i hate the fact that we're referring to babies as stressors before the baby comes we do love babies we'll we'll call them transitional (laughs) life events okay before the transitional life event occurs you can prepare for those things you can talk about them and unfortunately Mm -hmm. while a lot of couples before they get married have conversations about the day-to-day expectations oh what do we do you know who's gonna do the dishes and who's gonna you know make the money and who's gonna sleep on the side of the bed the day-to-day very few people have conversations about what they're going to do when certain life events occur and most of those life events are predictable at some Mm -hmm. point you probably are going to own a house, a car. One of you is going to go back to school or finish school or start a new job or lose a job, obviously, and with a new child. You can talk about those things and prepare for what you're going to do when those things happen. And to expect that you won't need to change anything is foolish. Everybody, I mean, that's just obvious. And expecting Mm -hmm. that everything is going to be the way that it was is going to set you up for disappointment. So Mm -hmm. eyes wide open means Plan ahead and do your research about what kinds of things you can expect to occur and how the stress may enter your life and and plan Mm -hmm. ahead. Yeah, yeah. Just to go off of that. So obviously there's no way that you will ever be fully prepared for parenthood. That being said, planning ahead is important. And I would say that you need to recognize that having a child is not just a hobby. It's not just something you do to check off a box. It really will fundamentally change your life. And and both partners should be willing to dive all in. So And don't use if you feel like your spouse isn't diving all in, that's not an excuse for you to not yeah, dive in. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You get um, this give me, you know, grow a plant and then I'll give you water, you know. Like, exactly. Okay, so the next one is hope. So if we can just believe that current difficulties will eventually become easier and that they will give us added strength, then I think that does so much good. Just as an example, So like when I'm exercising, if my exercise instructor just tells me to start doing push-ups and doesn't tell me when it's going to end, then I can do like, like I just hate it every, and I think I can do like 10 
or five <laughs> or two, mm-hmm. you know. But if it's like, okay, you're going to do 15 push-ups and I know when it's going to end, then I can do all of them, no problem, because I see that end. I see that goal in sight. And I think the same is true with kids. It's like sometimes you're going to have really hard nights and you're just like, oh my goodness, will I ever sleep a whole night again? And I'm here to tell you <laughs> that you will. You really will. And I didn't believe it for the first year of my child's life. But then I got a full night's sleep and I'm like, oh, I'm... Anyways... So if you can just have hope in a brighter future, have hope that whatever struggle you're you're specifically dealing with will get better, then that does so much good. So, mm-hmm. oh, another thing I wanted to say about that. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes here. Especially as a new mother, I think the thing that has helped me the most with all three of my babies navigate those baby blues and kind of that hormonal period is just having something to look forward to every day. So at this time, that's been watching like a documentary every night with my husband or just having that couple time every night. But for you, it can be whatever, you know, taking a bath, going for a walk, whatever it is. But having something that you can look forward to really helps you when you're kind of falling, if you're ever falling apart during the Mm, day. I love that. Yeah. Day at a time. Um, I know this is a religious metaphor, but the, the idea of give us this day our daily bread daily bread is the case for most countries that don't stick a bunch of preservatives in their Mm -hmm. loaves Um, you have to make it every day you make it every day and so we don't we're not necessarily looking for the answer in the long term we're not trying to figure out if this is going to be the way it is for the rest of our lives we're just trying to figure out today and looking for our daily bread and Mm -hmm. um, i love that Yeah. yeah well and some people may think that wow that does not sound like a very fun life if you're living day to day but you know what for me it has improved my life so much because i learned how to live in the moment I learn mm-hmm. how to enjoy those precious, joyful moments that come every single day. You know, I learn how to sit there and just soak in my little boy's long eyelashes mm. and just relish in that. And guys, that's I feel like that's how life is enjoyed. It's enjoyed when we live in the present and when we learn how to take each day a day at a time. Because that's, yeah, that's what they're doing. Exactly. I mean, they're living a day at a time. They are so, children are so in the moment. It's true. My kids have grown up way too fast. My newborn is like no longer a newborn and it makes me cry. Okay, the next thing is hardiness, (laughs) kind of bringing us to the next point. These all kind of tie in together. But couples who believe that they are stronger, who believe that those, you know, that that refining fire of learning to be a more selfless person as a result of your parenthood, if you can believe that that is going to add to you as a person, that that is a trial worth going through because of how it will make you stronger, then you'll be able to get through that hard time. I look back on myself and my spouse and think, man, we've grown as people and that growth has not been easy, but I am happy with who I'm becoming as a result of my parenthood. So what do you have to say about that, Kendra? I think um, whether you are strong or weak, you are right. And our attitude about who we are and what we can handle um, usually becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So believe you can do it. Mm-hmm. If you believe it, you can. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. I, f- I feel like we need to watch some motivational video from <laughs> Rudy or something, but it's, you know, that's, it, that's real and it's measurable. And, and scientists have found that families that have those attitudes are able to get through difficult times together. Absolutely. So, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. The next one is family routines and structure. And this does not contradict flexibility because you absolutely need both. I found especially, yeah, with young kids especially, they really thrive off of a good rhythm and a routine. Now, just as background, I am not a schedule person. Some people are like, I will get up at this time. What? I don't believe that. Really? I'm not. Jackie. In my real life heart of hearts, 
my ideal day is just like nothing planned, <laughs> no structure. <laughs> but if I live my life like that, number one, I get nothing done. And number two, my poor kids just fly off the handle because they right. really, really need that. And I've learned that even though I'm not like a super schedule person, having a rhythm, a gentle rhythm for my day where it's like we get up, we do morning jobs, we have breakfast, like, you know, just mm-hmm. every single day kind of follows a normal pattern. And and maybe not every day is going to look the same for you, but like every Tuesday generally looks the same. Every Wednesday, generally, you know, and I think we as adults are used to that because that's the world we've lived in. But it's easy to when kids come to kind of lose a sense of how your days should go and you have to reestablish routines and rhythms right and it's going to be different right yeah. we, we establish the fact that that's part of the problem that's part of the chaos is that my normal routine my normal structure is no longer all of a sudden everything mm-hmm. is different and that's okay <clears throat> yeah. but finding ways to create routines and stability even if it's in small ways like you said not only does it help you find sanity it helps you to stabilize things but it also like we mentioned earlier helps you to address all of those other needs that are still in your life exactly Exactly. That that are still there, regardless mm-hmm. of the fact that you have yeah. a new child in your home. So addressing those needs keeps the stressors from piling up. Yeah, because we only have so much headspace to deal with all the things. For example, if you love to exercise, but you can't think about like if every single day you had to decide a different time to exercise, that would be really hard. But if you just knew that every Monday, Wednesday and Friday morning at 8 a.m. you're going to your gym class and that's that, then you don't have to think about it. It's just part of your routine. So having Mm -hmm. a good routine in place will help you be able to get everything done that you want to. And also it it just creates stability, especially for the times when you don't have control over things, such as how much your baby's gonna be up during the night. Okay, next Mm -hmm. thing is social support. So people who have a network of caring friends and family that they can reach out to amidst stress find a lot of respite. So this can come from just friends, family, community support groups, church fellowship. I would say it's so important for you to have a group of reliable cheerleaders in your back pocket. And if you don't have that currently, you can go online and you can just Google parents of young children in whatever town you live in. And I guarantee that there will be some sort of a support group that come up. Yep. You know, and if I was you... like, this is the time to discover meetup.com if you haven't already. Exactly. Like, meetup or Facebook groups. I have a friend who's on a Facebook group for mothers of twins mm-hmm. in her town and they do things together and they provide support. Now, granted, a, another mother of twins may not necessarily be able to provide the support that you need if you just had uh, new, new children, but mm-hmm. emotional support, absolutely. So if you yeah. don't have the family or friends that you, you want to have, you can go out and find them because there are other people who are looking for their tribe as well, and you can mm-hmm. be a part of that. Yeah, and I know that that can feel overwhelming, especially if you're not someone who particularly enjoys doing that. Like I know for me that I really struggle, I really hate having to meet new people, but I promise you that if you can just just do it, grit your teeth and do it, go and have that dumb small talk until it becomes something real, it's super worth it because then you have those fun things to look forward to. You have someone who can help you out when you're having a bad day or someone who you can just commiserate with when things are stressful. Um, or some mm-hmm. also people who really get what's going on in your life because, you know, humans are social creatures and we all need that. Right. I can, t- I can tell two quick stories. This is sort of a good example, bad example. One of the reasons that single mothers have so much difficulty with children, why B 
being a single mother is the quickest ticket to poverty in America is because of the lack of social support. And one of the reasons that children come into the world via the activity of two people, I think is because biologically we need two people. I, I was helping a friend in Detroit. She was 19 years old and she has two kids and she was trying to find a job. And one night they had a, a kind of a one night gig that she was going to get paid, you know, a bunch of money just for this one, for a rally or something that she could go and work at. But she needed somebody to take care of her kids. And um, the minute she realized that she's like, oh, I, well, I guess I can't do it then. And I was like, what? No, I mean, well, let's find, you've got to know somebody who can take care of your kids. And so we started driving and I couldn't do it. And we started driving around the neighborhood and it quickly became apparent from me in my incredibly, you know, self-centered middle-class world that she had nobody else who could watch her kids. The people who she would trust with her children all had jobs and worked. There were no people staying at home. There were no stay-at-home moms just hanging out, waiting to provide support for people. And the people who were at home and available were definitely people she would not trust with her children. And so it was a really difficult situation that she, she found herself in repeatedly in many, many situations and opportunities she had to give up because she didn't have that social support. So that is a big challenge. The second thing is, again, you can develop a social connection. You can develop the, the support group that is reciprocal. Support groups are reciprocal. When you reach out and provide support to other people, they will provide support to you. That's because the first lesson in Anthropology 101 is that all relationships are based on reciprocity. People naturally want to give and are willing to give when they feel that you have given too. And that's another way that you can prepare for new children in your family and on an ongoing basis. Oh, but Kendra and Jackie, how on earth can I provide support to other people when I'm so busy? Well, <laughs> think of it as an investment in your life and in your family, mm -hmm. because the people that you become friends with and the people who can support you as family are also going to be the support group for your children someday. And they are going to need that as well. Mm -hmm. So amen a, a zillion times over to the importance of social support. By the way, I'm going to go on this... Uh, brief diatribe and then I'll Please get off do. this. Yes. Americans in specifically are just so unwilling to reach out to other people. The common answer to do you need help with anything is no, I'm fine. No, <laughs> no, I'm fine. Which is not Why true. The heck you liar. Do we do that? <laughs> you liar, liar. So being, being willing to admit that you need help mm -hmm. is in fact an invitation to form a relationship. Yeah, yes. I mean, uh, I yeah. hate meeting new people, but I tell you what, the friends that I have made the most are people that I've asked, hey, will you do this for me? Such as with Kendra when I said, hey, will you do this podcast with me? Will you give <laughs> yes. up your valuable time to talk to me on Skype and record it? And you know what? Mm -hmm. That's just go ahead and admit that you need help because we all do. Yeah, I will. Oh, I, I got, I have to tell us one more story because it involves Jackie. Oh, no. So, um, <laughs> Some of you know that it took a very long time for us to have kids. And that was something that we were really stressed out about. And in fact, a lot of things we've talked about today, I needed then because um, this stressor in our life, which was just doctors and doctors and tests and drugs and all kinds of stuff that was going on to try and help us be parents wasn't working. And I was in a really, really bad place. And I didn't tell anyone about it. I don't know whether that's because I'm too independent or I was too embarrassed. And some of you may feel that way too. You're in a dark place, in a bad place, and you just, you don't want to tell people about it. Um, you don't want to reach out to others, whether you feel ashamed or embarrassed or you're just so wrapped up in your problems, you can't see anyone else. 
And in that really, really dark time, Jackie called me and said, hey, I just want you to know that I can help you out. And by the way, it's okay to go easy on yourself. And I'm like, whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, and I was so stressed and I was so self-critical. And she said, no, really, you need to go easy on yourself. If you had the flu and you needed to stay in bed until two in the afternoon, that would be okay. Well, the same thing is true now. And if you need to stay in bed until two in the afternoon and eat a bunch of donuts, that's okay too. And I I just cried and cried on the phone because that's exactly what I needed. And, And Jackie was the friend that I needed in that in that time because she she kind of forced it on me but if you're that kind of person for other people those people will come into your lives when you need it mm-hmm. and when you're afraid to ask for it as well mm-hmm. so, okay anyway. anyways health so couples who care for their physical and mental health they fare better amidst difficult times and i i totally understand that sometimes you're so stressed out you just think i don't have time to eat i don't have time to sleep i don't have time Like, my kid needs me. I can't go exercise. I can't, you know. I get that. I've been there. But let me tell you, it's just a classical example. If you have nothing to give, then you are going to, you can't give anything. I mean, hello, you have to fill yourself up. Yes, you do need to find time to sleep. And I know that that is hard because I've had three babies that do not sleep during the night. But you know what? If you have a kid who is consistently not sleeping through the night, then yes, you do need to take naps during the day. Or you do need to allow yourself to sleep in in the morning if your baby is asleep. Like you, it's okay for you to take care of yourself. It's not just okay. It's necessary. And each spouse needs to do that, including the father. I know that moms have gone through a really big thing emotionally, physically. And that is hard and they do need to take care of themselves. But this is also a huge transitional event for a dad and he needs to have time to, rec- you know, to take care of himself emotionally too. And if that means bowling night once a week or whatever, like figure it out with each other so that you can get that, that time of rejuvenation that you need. Because it's as you do that, that you're able to then pour into each other and pour into your family. So just as an example Like I said, the last four years, I've literally either been pregnant or nursing, and this has been really taxing on my body, but luckily, I've made it a priority, and my husband has also made it a priority to help me carve enough time to sleep and exercise, because I just know that if I don't have those things, then mentally, I'm in a much harder place, and physically, I just can't handle life very well. And that doesn't mean I get perfect sleep and it doesn't mean I get as an ideal of a workout as I want, but doing, just trying to make those things happen goes a long way. So Kendra, what do you have to say about that? It's like making monthly payments on debt. Mm -hmm. You know, you say, I I just can't afford to pay off my debt. Well, you're just going to get more of it then. Mm -hmm. That's how interest works. So you don't, you know, Stephen Covey calls it sharpening the saw. It's the final key step to having an effective life is taking care of yourself and making sure you are where you need to be so that you can take care of others. And speaking of classic examples, you put on your own oxygen mask first before Mm -hmm. you put on anybody else's. And uh, your kids need that. They need you to take care of yourself and they need you to take care of your marriage. Mm-hmm. And when those things are taken care of, they'll, they'll be okay too. Yeah. They will. Yeah. Um, the final thought about health specifically was some of the people listening to this podcast are struggling about as much as Jackie and I have with having new kids and how much that has raked our marriages and the rest of our lives. But some people are having it a lot worse. Mm -hmm. And just know that when we talk about health, we're also talking about mental health and it's okay to talk to someone. And I mean someone professional. There is a time and a place to do that. 
And it doesn't matter if you're breastfeeding. By the way, mm-hmm. you can be breastfeeding and take medication for depression. It's not going to screw up your kid. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And that may be exactly what you need. Yeah. So please, please think about that and look into it. And uh, again, do it for your kids. Do it for your marriage. Yeah. Yeah, please do. I remember being a new mom with my first little boy and I loved him to pieces. But I just remember sitting there in my room he had to nurse every two hours for the first like five months of his life and that was just really hard for me. I went from this place of being a busy college student working 20-25 hours a week full college load. I just had these this normal checklist of things that I got done each day and then I had a baby and I was by myself almost all the time nursing this baby not knowing what I was doing and it was really really hard and I wish if I could go back I wish that I had found someone to talk to and I don't know if I would classify myself as having been depressed or not but all I know is like who cares it would have been good for me to talk to somebody to be open and honest about how hard that period was going back I wouldn't change a thing because of how much I grew from that and the beautiful relationship that I have with my son as a result of me trying so hard to be a good mom to him the best that I could but I do wish that I had gotten more help during that time and if that is you Mm -hmm. and if you have it so much harder than that please please to reach out because that is important and like Jackie said to me if you had the flu you would you'd take medicine you Mm -hmm. know if you had if you were if you had a broken bone you would go see the doctor Mm -hmm. and the same thing is true here it's not a label you're not you know you're not a messed up person that's just Mm -hmm. you know it's just a problem that needs to be fixed yeah and yeah that's how that's how we see it anyways. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not sure how this exactly fits in. I guess I would say it goes with health. But with regards to your and your spouse's intimacy, both physical and emotional, I would just really say that as you do these things and as you really take time to be a team every single day and to give of yourself to each other, I think that you'll find that your marriage just gets stronger than it was before as a result of having kids. Because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times amidst the stressors of having kids, partners withdraw into themselves. Um, And if we can somehow draw together and let this be a unifying experience, let it improve our intimacy, Mm -hmm. I think that you will find the joy that comes from having children. But Kendra, do you have anything to say about that? specifically no I think you hit it on the head okay absolutely okay well we hope that you are excited about having kids and we haven't been these like doomsday (laughs) um I don't know made you nervous about it because I just know that it is such a blessing it's so fun again I mean I was just reading one of my favorite childhood stories to my kid right before I I hopped on this call and I was just relishing in that moment. My husband was softly playing the guitar. I had my little two-year-old dancing to the guitar music, and my little baby was just cuddled in my arms. And my four-year-old kept asking me different questions about the characters in this story. And you guys, it was beautiful. It was picturesque. And just a few hours before that, I had been almost in tears because we had a crazy experience at the doctor's office today, and I won't get into that. But all I'm saying is it's worth it. It's beautiful. It's good. Just keep keep Mm -hmm. at it family life, life with your spouse, life with your kids is a beautiful thing. And we're here to help you have the best life you can. So yeah, we're on your side. Like we're rooting for you. You can do this. You can totally do this. You got it. Zillions of people have done this before. (laughs) Yeah. And it's going to be okay. Whatever the stress is right now, it's going to be okay. Absolutely. So hang in there, get your partner to hang in there as well. And, uh, 
Yeah. All right. So thanks for hanging with us. Hey, thank you for listening to the Family Matters podcast. Join us again as we continue this discussion about applying research techniques to help you and your family life. See you guys later. Bye. Thanks. Take care. Bye.